Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Scott. And welcome to the God or Not podcast, where truth springs from argument among friends. This is episode number 12. And coming up, Scott and I will be talking about prejudice. Also in this episode, the God or Not book club. So grab your popcorn, sit back, and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, please direct your attention to the center ring. This is the God or Not Podcast. We're in for a great night of civil discourse here as these two warriors are revved up and ready to go. And now, let's get ready to dialogue! Okay, episode number 12. Boy. All right. It's flown by. Yep. Yeah, it really yep. hasn't, but. <laughs> <laughs> the last year and a half uh, has flown right. by. <laughs> 20, yeah, 2020. We're in 2020, and yep. we will be talking about prejudice tonight. So right. this will. Seems it, uh, appropriate for uh, for the modern times. It sure does. And I, I think that it will be, I think we'll find ourselves in agreement a lot. But I, I also think that there'll be some 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 areas of um maybe digging in our heels. But we'll see. It'll be interesting. Uh, you never know. You never know what you're gonna get. Right? Life's That's like true. a box of chocolates. That's right. So we're we're amping it up a little As bit. As a wise man once said. Yeah, yeah, he was wise. He was autistic, <laughs> wasn't he? Was he autistic? I, I don't know. I don't I, I don't know. I don't I I'm not well, sure. He was a wise man regardless. Right. <laughs> Is this seriously the lamest uh <laughs> the lamest oh opening talk of all time? It's like we're you out know, of practice or something. I think for the first time ever our listeners are going, "Come on, let's get to the prejudice." Yeah, come Bring on. Bring on the already. bigotry. <laughs> yeah, <see>? yeah. <laughs> they can't uh, wait to hear yeah. the racism. Well, you know what? No. <laughs> no. All right. Well, well let's bring boy, it. Nice, let's nice do it. talking with you, Scott. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. Help the conversation out a little. All right. Well, I guess without further ado, <laughs> let's let's do. This is the main event. Round one. Okay, everybody, Jamie and Scott, Scott and Jamie, and today <laughs> we are talking about prejudice, pseudo-prejudice, and implied prejudice. So, all things prejudice, and um, I think in my uh, typical fashion, I like to start out by defining a few things. Well, so. All right. Unless you have something that um, before we get going here, Scott. Um, the only thing I have to say is that I think we should start in your usual fashion of defining a few things. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess we so, are. Literally, too. Also, literally, <laughs> we're probably on the same page. So prejudice, um, your, your, your standard kind of Webster's definition is a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience 
It involves prejudgments that are usually negative about members of a group. Mm -hmm. Um, when, When people hold prejudiced attitudes towards others, they tend to view everyone who fits into that certain group as being, quote, all the same. And they mm-hmm. paint every individual holds particular characteristics or beliefs with a very broad brush. And they fail to really look at each person as a unique individual. And so I think that's... So basically it's just uh, unfairly judging somebody possibly based off of superficial characteristics, but maybe even based off of just nothing, you know, based off True. of your preconceived notions or rumors or, you know, just, you know, a, a wide, very, uh, th- I, I guess the idea is it's just not based off of actual experience with a particular person, or I suppose you could, it doesn't necessarily be limited to people, you know, you can be right. prejudiced against, you know, pretty much anything really. Yeah, I guess but I suppose too, the one we're concerned about is the one against people though. Right, right. So I, I think it's important, uh, although probably, I don't know how it'd be important and meaningless, but probably important and semi not even uh, pertaining to, to, to bring up or, or to say that um, some of these prejudgments might be correct. I mean, you, you might, you know, what do they say? A broken watch is right twice every day. Right. So right, y- right. you might be right. Um, you could be, but you, you could got be. there, you got there based on, on wrong reasoning or right. We're focusing reasoning. on, on methodology here and not right. results. Correct. So um, uh, one of the things that as I was kind of researching this, um, one of the things I, I saw um, was I, I thought was interesting um, was uh, a quote from um, a psychologist, Gordon Alport. He mm-hmm. says the human mind must think with the aid of categories. And he goes on to explain in his book that once these categories are formed, um, they are the basis for normal prejudgment. And we cannot possibly avoid the process and that orderly living depends on it. And so, um, and so this is part of sometimes why we see um, the prejudice and uh, us as human beings sometimes so easily falling into that is because Uh we all like to uh, categorize things. Um, We're really good at that. We're good at categorizing. (laughs) Yes, we are. Um, And 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 you know, that all, that all stems from the fact that we just have incomplete information. We don't know everything there is to know about the world and, but we still have to act and we still have to react. And so, you know, should we just have a random, you know, reaction or, or do we want to base right. off of these categories and, and the problem with, and the advantage of that is that you don't have to sit there and, and uh, you know, get a full analysis of every situation you run into. Uh, but the drawback of that, of course, is that very often it can it's lead flawed. to, right. Yeah. It can lead to incorrect uh, results. So I, I, another uh, interesting piece of information that I, I thought was, um, insightful is that a lot of times when we do use these categories and we're categorizing people, um, we tend to minimize um, 
the difference between people in certain groups and exaggerate the difference between people in other groups. And so a lot of times, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, we might have some similarities, um, but, but we tend to exaggerate our differences and not necessarily some of those things that are the same about about someone. So um, it's kind of like, you know, you'll hear people say, well, not necessarily people will say this, but you know, like, all people from this group, you know, look the same kind of thing, right. you know, that, right. that kind of thing, you know, it's, it, it's, it's minimizing this. Yeah. Like you said, minimizing the, you know, the, the differences between the individuals within a group, but then also exaggerating the differences between the groups. You're right. So let's um, also too, there's some, there's some other words that probably need to be defined because sometimes they're attached or associated with this word prejudice. So okay. um, racist, a Webster's basic definition of racist is a person who shows or feels discrimination or prejudice against a people of other races or who believes that their particular race is superior to another. So it's uh, basically a form of prejudice, um, uh-huh. And it's based upon um, skin. Uh, bigot. You often hear people being called bigots. You bigot. I've been called that more than once. And this is a person <laughs> who is intolerant towards those holding different opinions. Uh-huh. Uh, and now that brings up, don't you love when a definition, you're, you're looking up a word and then you have to look up another word that's in that definition of the first word. And that's what we're doing right now because the word tolerance uh-huh. is the ability or willingness to endure something, in particular, the existence of opinions or behaviors that one does not necessarily agree with. All right. Um, and it's important to point out that tolerance does not imply the acceptance of others' intolerant behaviors. I think that's something that you wanted to talk about there. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you're talking about tolerance and, and every once in a while you hear this, um, you know, wow, is this how people who are supposed to be tolerant are acting? But, you know, the whole idea that, well, if somebody's going to be tolerant, they need to tolerate intolerance. And of course, that's ridiculous. The The whole idea of, of an intolerant behavior or an intolerant attitude, uh, it goes against the whole idea of tolerance. And so, um, you know, so we need to be careful when, when we consider that it's, um, but shouldn't you know, tolerance, isn't that the very definition of tolerance though? Like this is, this is where, this is where I might disagree with you because what I, where I find this happening is that, is that somebody would, would will say, um, you Christians, you guys um, need to tolerate you need, you need to tolerate all, you know, the, mm-hmm. these other beliefs or these other things, and I think that by very definition, other people aren't tolerating our beliefs. Then the question is, is well, it, they're if not, you want to say tolerating, sorry, go ahead. You're going to say they're not tolerating intolerance, but who gets right. to decide that? Who gets to mean? decide what? But see, by very definition, the word tolerant means that that you're, you're going to put up with something you don't agree with. Right. Intolerance is something that you might not agree with. 
right? So I'm not saying right. that you should accept what we think as true. Like, oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good thing. That's a true thing. But what I'm saying is, isn't it by very definition, aren't they breaking? Um, isn't it self-refuting? I mean, shouldn't they have to tolerate what they uh, believe well, to be intolerance? Because, I mean, who, then who's to yeah. decide what's tolerant, what's intolerant? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And I think what that what that has uh, what we've uncovered there is that uh, when people say you should be tolerant of others, uh, it doesn't mean just blanket tolerance. You know, it doesn't mean, you know, it should it means that you should be. Yeah, you should be tolerant of, of other people's beliefs. But that doesn't mean you that it doesn't mean you need to tolerate intolerance. That's the exact opposite of what being tolerant is. If you if you allow someone else or if, if you. Uh, are accepting of somebody else being intolerant, then you are promoting intolerance. And so it's the exact opposite. And so, yeah, it's kind of a paradox there, but you know, that's yeah, the way it, seems, it is. It seems self, somewhat self-refuting to me because that's what gets leveled. That's a charge that often gets leveled towards us um, Christians a lot of times. So like, well, right. I guess the question then is, it isn't so much about, should we tolerate intolerance? The real question, if you kick the can back further, is mm-hmm. is 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 what what do you consider intolerant? If that makes sense, because we can all say there are certain behaviors that we shouldn't tolerate. We shouldn't mm-hmm. tolerate um, uh, pedophilia. You know, we shouldn't tolerate. Um, I, I don't know, just going around and shooting people. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of things we shouldn't tolerate, right? But, and so, and so, so the, so so the, the, so the really distinction is, there, the the distinction there is, we need to be clear on what it is we want to, we want, we should be tolerant of. Like, for example, uh, you know, child rape and and shooting people. You know, in those cases, you're actually violating, you're injuring somebody else, you're harming somebody else, you're violating somebody else's rights, and those kind of things. Um, there are other things, though, that you know, that might not fall into that category. But I, but I think, like I said, what we've what we've uncovered here is that uh, we can't just, um, you know, it's not just a word out of a dictionary. And then we just kind of, you know, throw it around, we have to apply it, you know, there's people involved, there's, uh, you know, social interactions, it's it's within a context of, of a social of a society. And so we need to, so if somebody says you need to be intolerance of my racism, no, that's, that's against what to, what the whole idea of tolerance is about and and um you know so we just need to we need to we need to make a distinction there okay very good well, let's talk about stereotyping okay stereotyping um a, a, is a simplified assumption about a group based upon prior experiences or belief so like i don't know cops like donuts or <laughs> all firemen do are our well, cops their- do like donuts because they <laughs> are actually. They, after all, they are human beings. I, I will. All human beings like most, donuts. They love crispy. <laughs> Listen, I, you know, p- part of stereotypes it's that I that I, I find true is that is that a lot of stereotypes have some truth to it. That's how they became stereotypes, right? Firemen, okay. like uh, for instance. The, the the stereotype that firemen, all you guys do are play cards and wash your cars, you know, and, and maybe <laughs> maybe watch HBO. You could throw that in there now. I mean, well, the reason why that stereotype is there is because newsflash, some firemen sometimes 
we have some downtime. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times we'll play cards or we'll wash our car uh, or we'll watch HBO. You know, so that's why Mm -hmm. sometimes stereotype and why do cops get stereotyped as liking donuts? I don't know. Maybe because you see their cruisers out in front of Dunkin Donuts. I think Mm -hmm. I could say that because my dad was a cop for 35 years. So. Well, I guess it makes it okay then. Yeah, it does make it okay. So I can be somewhat intolerant of the <laughs> anyhow. So, so um, and stereotypes can be positive too. For instance, um, like the idea uh, women are um, warm and nurturing. I mean, I suppose could be considered a positive stereotype. Or again, uh, negative. depending on how depending on how you say, it. yeah, depending like on teenagers how teenagers are, are lazy. You know, teen- right. you bunch of teenage, you're a bunch of lazy, no good. You know, nothing's and of course that could be bad. So you can have good and bad stereotypes, I guess. But and stereotypes don't always lead to false conclusions. They're often um, um, hyperactive categorizers, you know, that that we end up um, right. You know, throwing people into again, throwing people into a group. Right. Yeah. Um, before before we uh, leave the definitions behind, I did want to briefly address the idea of of race. And, um, you know, nowadays there's, a, I think, a more enlightened view of race. You know, if, if you look at uh, individuals of a same quote unquote race, you know, we, we find that uh, in reality, biologically, uh, there there's way more uh more differences within groups than there is actually between groups. And so um, some people will say the, um, you know, that race is really more of a social construct and many, in many ways it is, obviously there's some biology involved uh, in, in how people come to their, to their categorizing. But the idea is that we're, I mean, in reality, we you know, we're, we're the human race really. And mm-hmm. so, uh, and so in many ways, these distinctions that we have, and we'll be talking about this more as, as we go through, um, you know, as we go through the evening here, but, um, you know, a lot of these distinctions are, like you said, I mean, we're, we're hyperactive categorizers. And so it's like, uh, you know, we're, we're clawing at every little, possible difference there that when we try to tear it into a big gash and, 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 um, and so, uh, so the idea of race really, you know, you know, if you talk to a sociologist or, or, um, statisticians and that kind of thing that you'll find that, yep, people kind of categorize themselves into race or each other's into race, but, but really when it boils down to the nuts and bolts, there's really not much to that. Um, that doesn't mean it's a useless thing to do, um, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, like names, you know, we have family names, we have individual names and there's really not, that's, those are all just kind of made up and, you know, and they're yeah. still useful. Um, but you know, just so we, um, you know, get air some of that out a little bit, sure. you know, a lot, a yeah. lot of these things are kind of, uh, trumped up, uh, and, you know, exaggerated, uh, differences. And so, right. you know, yeah, we're all, we need to be keeping that in mind as well. One race, the human race. That's exactly. what I always. That's what I always like to say. So, speaking of yeah. of of race, that was kind of uh-huh. a, uh, one of the first examples of prejudice. Is uh-huh. uh, is I wanted to talk a little bit about racism, right? Right. And um, yep. obviously, racism is a prejudice or a discrimination directed against someone of a different race based upon mm-hmm. the belief that their own race is superior and that other person's race is inferior. And uh, a lot of times, we would see this. I mean, the, the big one that you could think of is either like Caucasian or Eastern European uh, mm-hmm. and African-American. 
You know, when you right. think of racism, at least as a, as Americans, I know we have a few people who listen from across the pond, but mm-hmm. uh, here in America, a lot of times when, when, when we think of racism, we think of uh, black versus white. Right. And, um, um, well, or, that's, or, that's, I, I would say that's a, yeah, that's a common one in the United States. Yeah. Because of course we had, um, the, the, the battle, um, of course there's obviously still slavery going on all over the world. Um, but you know, here in the United States, our attempt to eradicate, uh, right. slavery and of course not just African-Americans were enslaved. There were obviously other groups enslaved, but they were the, the big group. Or, or the most notable group that was enslaved. And so right. that's kind of what we think of um, right, right. When, when we think of, um, of, of racism. Yeah, the, the slavery that, that the United States was involved in and in many parts of Europe as well at some point, um, you know, the, I think it's a, it's a difference of magnitude there. And also it's a difference of, I mean, because it was a slave trade and it was an industry. Right. And it was, you know, big, you know, there was, you know, the triangle trade with, uh, I don't know what was, what was being traded, like sugar and tobacco, or I can't remember mm-hmm. what the other two things were, but there was like a three-way trade around across the Atlantic ocean. And, um, you know, it was big, it was big business. And so that kind of magnified the whole thing and it dehumanized the quote unquote product. And, in, you know, in fact, in, in many of the ship, you know, you see this show up in movies all the time, like Amistad and stuff like that, where the, where the, uh, the people that were enslaved are referred to as, you know, poundage or, you know, mm-hmm. quantities and, and things like that. And so I think that, um, you know, it's, um, that, that kind of magnified, uh, the issue. And I think that, um, you know, really, it, it really, I don't know, maybe this is how I feel about it, but, and, you know, maybe you feel differently and maybe you feel the same. I don't know, but it really kind of strikes it. Uh, it, it really makes it uh, personally and uh, nationally shameful, shame, you know, it's shameful. Obviously slavery in any form is horrible, but uh, you know, it, to me, it's in that particular way of doing it uh, is mm-hmm. just unusually shameful. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? You mean way of doing slavery? Right. The, the, the way that the, the way that the United States was involved in that and, and so well, on. Sure. I think so. I tend to also look at the positive too and excited for the future in terms of uh, look what, uh, you know, America has helped lead the way to eradicate or to work towards eradicating um, slavery and prejudice and racism. And while we still have our problems, no doubt, I think Mm -hmm. that we've also taken some huge steps. I mean, look up until what the sixties, you know, there was still like hardcore, like, no, you can't sit at this lunch counter Mm -hmm. kind of uh, racism going on. And, right. and in just, you know, in just what, uh, 70, you know, um, you know, what, 40, 60, 70 years. I mean, we've, <laughs> I had to do the math. I had my right, head, right. My, my hands open and I had my, All right. I had to pull I'm, my sock. I'm proud of you. So, I'm proud of you. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I think we've come a long way. Like I said, there's still, we still have a ways to go. But I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. I, I think that, that we have, and that doesn't take away the past. Uh, but mm-hmm. obviously, you and I had nothing to do with that. 
And so um, I think you and I are a part of the people who are trying to forge a new way, uh, a new understanding of who people are. Obviously, I hope so. I you know, like so, with yeah. our podcast, our ability to communicate with other people who think differently than we do. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you and I are both in that that boat where we're trying to make things better. Right. Hopefully, we're at least going a step in the right direction. So I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Black Lives Matter. Right. So what, uh, right. what were you yeah. thinking about that? Well, you know, th- this is one of those things that, uh, you know, my, my thinking on it has actually changed uh, within the last several years. You know, when, when it first started coming out, um, you know, I, I try to get news from a variety of sources, but, you know, kind of my thoughts on the whole, the quote unquote, Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and and I, I suppose if there's anybody listening that's not really familiar with that, that's that's something that's come up in the last several years in, in the United States. I'm not sure if it's a worldwide uh, phenomenon or, you know, mostly what we hear about is things happening around here. Um, but the, the, uh, the idea that, um, you know, black communities wanting to stand up and, and assert the fact that, that, you know, that we matter, that we make a difference. And, and my first thought was, um, you know, I, I always try to, uh, approach things cautiously when, when I'm, when I'm thinking about something new. And so I thought, well, of course, you know, to me, it seems, well, of course that makes a difference, but you know, are you trying, are you saying, are you downplaying, uh, you know, other people's lives? And, and so, you know, um, I don't know if I've ever said the phrase all lives matter, but, um, um, but, but, you know, my thinking at, at one point was, was kind of in line with that. And, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and talking to minority friends of mine and what they think about it and experiences that they've gone through, you know, I, I came to realize that, well, really, um, what they're doing is they, that's, it's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. They're not saying that black lives matter more. What they're saying is, Black lives matter as much. And, and the reason that it's important that that needs to be said is that, uh, and I know we're, we're going to be, you know, down the road here, we're going to be talking about uh, institutional and systematic uh, prejudice. But I mean, that that's what that's what they're combating against. They're, they're combating against this um, uh, societal uh, viewpoint or a view that. Um, you know, it's, it's demonstrable that white lives matter and they felt like, okay, well, we need to, you know, we're, we're at the same table too. And so, and so what they're doing is they're asserting that they're, they're saying, um, you know, we matter too. And, and I think that, that that's admirable. And I think that that's well needed. I, I felt the same way about, I'm, I'm a teacher, we know, and, um, things like, uh, equal opportunity and that kind of thing where, um, you know, in, in like in hiring processes and things like that, uh, where, um, you know, attempts are made to make sure like a, like a faculty is, is diverse and things like that. You, it, as, as a white applicant, you might feel like, well, that's not, that's not fair to me to, you know, to choose somebody mm-hmm. because they're a, a racial minority. But, but when you think of it in terms of, of at the societal level that, well, you know, if you want things to be equal, you can't just say, well, we're going to be equal. And from now on, boom, we're, we're equal. You have to, you have to, con- you have to consciously do that. You have to consciously approach these communities and these, these groups that have been underrepresented for such a long time. You can't just switch gears and, and move on. You got to, you have to embellish that. You have to, 
you know, bring it to the forefront so that way it becomes part of the, you know, the, the idea in, in, and I'm saying this as a white man, you know, I, 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 I would welcome, uh, input from, uh, from anybody of a, of a, from a minority group. But I think that the point of the black lives matter movement is to eventually get to a point where somebody could say all lives matter and really mean it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, you, you brought up a lot of things there that I, I do want to touch on. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a part of the people that say, yeah, all lives matter. And I, I right. think part of the pushback was that when they came out really big with the Black Lives Matter, it seemed, at least from my vantage, as if they were saying that, that yeah, our lives matter more than your lives or or somehow downplaying, um, mm-hmm. you know, so your initial assessment, that, that idea that, uh, but then when you talk to your friends, they said, no, 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 that's not what we meant at all. Of course we would, I, I don't want to say, of course we would all agree, because I still have to remember there are people out there that don't, but uh, you and I would obviously agree that all lives matter, but when it came out, it, it that's, at least from my vantage, that's not the way it, it it looked, it almost looked as if like uh, they were presupposing right off the bat that we're going to be prejudiced or racist against them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that's why I think you had that pushback of all lives matter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've had a personal experience with this. You know, when I got out of high school, all I wanted to do was be a fireman. Mm-hmm. That's all I wanted to do. I, I I went and I worked two jobs so that I could have um, money to go to paramedic school. And I went through paramedic school and I and I paid my way and I paid my way through um, through through part of my fire training. And I went to all these other schools to get all these extra trainings so that I could have them. And this was before I was a fireman uh-huh. um, because I wanted to look as good as possible. Uh, you know, when my application came across civil service desk or the chief's desk or whatever. Uh-huh. And so I take the test. I study for six months, six months. I, I've taken all kind. I took all kinds of tests. I took over 70 tests to be uh-huh. a fireman, a different, different municipalities, cities, townships. Uh, and, and when, um, when Youngstown's came up, I, I studied for six months for that test. I scored uh-huh. a ninety-seven-five raw on that, and I ended up being like hundred and twenty with my credit for being a paramedic. And I sat at number, technically it was number two on the list. I was number four on on the list, but two people opted out. Two in front of me opted out, so I was number two on the list. I sat there for two years while they uh-huh. hired my while they hired minorities. Uh-huh. And uh, to me, uh, that, uh, of course, did not seem right at all. Right. Um, I'd worked so hard mm-hmm. uh, it, to, to get where I was and wanted that job so badly. And, and here I'm getting passed over because of the color of my skin. Right. And I was like, yeah. man, how is, like, how is that right? Like, right. I, and the, the test was as fair as you can get. They gave you a booklet, a little 30-page booklet, and said every single question on the test is coming from this booklet. 
Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to have equal time to study this thing. And so it wasn't like I had some kind of knowledge that somebody else didn't have and had some kind of advantage. Like it was straight down the line. The harder you studied, the more you wanted it, more than likely the better off on the list you were going to be. Right. And, and so for me, that was difficult because here I see people saying, listen, skin color shouldn't matter. Except mm-hmm. if you're white, then it matters. <laughs> Uh-huh. You know, like to me, so so that that was hard for me, especially someone who's always had friends of other religions and other races. And I just happen to be the kind of person that attracts other types of people. And I mean, you and I obviously um, became friends because we had our vast differences and we began talking. And so it just seems so... Um, Injust right. that, that I would get passed over for two years. Um, well, let me. Um, I mean, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Uh, I get it. I, I understand why you would feel that way. I'm sure most of us have felt like that in in some circumstances. Um, what I would say is that um, you know, consider the fact that you're that you're viewing it from a privileged perspective. Now, okay. hold on, hold on. Privileged perspective in what way? You know, I grew Definitely. up. Definitely. I grew up dirt poor. Right. I grew up in one of the worst school districts in the state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Dirt poor, like government cheese poor. Right. So I don't know where my privilege was. Maybe now okay. you could say I have a certain amount of privilege, but I don't well, know well, where let me my tell you pri- this. Where was okay, my here, privilege? Where was I'll my point. privilege from from high school, from from before high school? If I was dirt poor. Where was my right. privilege between there and the time that I got hired on the fire department? I'll put my finger on it. I'll put my All finger right. on it. Okay. So um, I've heard I've heard this said from other people, something along the lines of, "I was, you know, I was raised in a dirt poor family. I worked my butt off to get where I am. How mm-hmm. does that make me privileged? Right? Right. Yeah. And I and here's my answer." Wouldn't it be awesome if everybody could get from dirt poor to where you are just by working hard? That's your privilege. Okay, so so you had the opportunity to all you had to do was work hard to get from dirt poor to where you are now. Um, I think that opportunity is not available to everybody. Okay, um, some people work their butts off their whole life, but are stuck in a rut. Just and and stay in that. Give in me that an level. example. So give me an example. Awesome. Give, give me an example. Like what? So, are you, what kind of run are we talking about that they can't? That they that 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 would be legal. Like you know uh-huh. that, that, that that they would get stuck in that they they would have no means or no way oh, to get around through hard work. There's just there's the amount well, of one. research that have gone into. I don't know anybody personally. No, not, I'm, not a person. I'm in a privileged list position myself. List a, list a thing that happens here in America where where that people couldn't take either legal action because because they're being because they're being no, you're, um, you're not hearing. You're not hearing me. It's a matter of opportunity. You know, opportunities don't don't exist the same for everybody. Uh, you know, United States is has a very low uh, social mobility index or whatever they call it you know the the you know once if you start out in a particular uh social group it's hard to you know Mm -hmm. to work your way up the ladder especially for minority groups 
You know, if you're a if you're a white male, it's very easy for you to transition from from one social strata to another. All you have to do is work hard or especially if your family's rich and you know you have all these other other opportunities, it's very easy to do that. But uh, you know, if a if a, a black man had been in your exact same situation, he would have been hired not- two years before me, Scott. <laughs> Come on. No, Listen, no, no. Listen, I, no, I no. don't I don't disagree. <laughs> Listen, I don't disagree with the fact that some people have certain advantages. Now and some people we're have- doing that. Now we're doing that because we need to we need to adjust the adjust our path here. So you my, what, my question really- is this. Are you about equal opportunity or equal outcome? Uh, I'm about equal opportunity. Okay, so you're not necessarily about equal outcome. Not everybody has to have to, because you know what? Mm, a lot of it has no, to do with that's our- not true. That's not true. Okay, uh, if if there's truly equal opportunity, yeah. then equal outcome is an equal outcome will happen. No, it won't because some people, some people maybe may, they don't want to work that hard. They don't want to be a doctor. They want to work at uh, at the factory and and uh, they want to go to work for GM. So right. they don't go and, to and college, that, and but so that's and that equal would be opportunity. True across the, that would be a cr- true across the board. But that's equal there, opportunity. There, that's not equal. There are outcome. people that are, there are people that are you know sitting on Wall Street now that have not worked their butt off. You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, okay. But, and so, but uh, listen. So that's but, what we're talking about here. But uh, I, I see what, the thing that bothers me. Is is and this isn't just a race thing, right? So mm. we could even say like a, a class thing. Like I, I saw my my um, uh, my father in law. He was a family doctor. There were there were months months that he couldn't take a paycheck, right? Because he he was paying for things. He had a faci- a big facility, not a big facility, but you know multi. Um, office facility that he had to pay rent on and, you know, do all these things. And, you know, but you have this impression in your mind that doctors, oh, they're wealthy and, uh, you know, and they're just rolling in it. And, um, and you see a lot of this envy, class envy, uh, uh, automatically people automatically assuming that, that people are in certain, you know, that they have, they have it good in this way or that way. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times it's just not true. It's just, or there's extenuating circumstances. Like, I, you know, I played in a band and we were doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. We recorded a CD um, uh, um, on, on a record label and we toured for a while. And I had this thought w- one time when I was on stage that, you know what? I bet you there are people out there. And it was probably about four or 5,000 people in the audience. And I was thinking, you know what? There's probably people out there thinking right now, look at that guy. All he has to do is play drums. And he gets to tour the country, you know, um, um, drug, sex, and rock and roll. Like he's hamming it up. And all he has to do is play drums. Mm-hmm. But what they didn't see was the eight years prior to that. Eight long years of playing in every Tom, Dick, and Harry dive bar for the security guard and the barmaid. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and just hustling and busting my hump, going to paramedic school, working a job, and practicing three days a week and playing one. And so, like, I I just knew that there were people out there that 
I don't want to say we're envious, but we're almost bitter that I had what I had. And they assumed that all I had to do was play drums to get it. Mm-hmm. And that somehow I didn't deserve what I had. And I think it's a form of prejudice. I think that, okay. I think that, I think that, um, um, professional athletes, I think they deserve every penny they make. Listen, I know, I know some people who, who forewent all kinds of stuff during their, uh, middle school and high school years so they could continue to, to fine tune their craft, whatever it is, basketball or football or whatever, uh-huh. so that they could go on and, and move up in, in the ranks. And, and I know a few that have gotten to the professional level. It came with sacrifice and hard work, but there are people out there that right. say, no, 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 no. They don't deserve what they That get. would be awesome if everybody could be successful just by sacrificing and hard work. I just want you to consider, all I want you to take out of this is just consider the fact that maybe you're not seeing the world the way a lot of people see the world. Okay. Just, just consider that you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, change your mind right now. Um, just, just think about the possibility that the world looks different to different people. Some it's, it's difficult to understand what somebody else is going through simply because of your perspective. And this is true for everybody, no matter, no matter what, you know, social well, status I, I you that. are, no matter what economic status I'm you are. I'm not without a heart. I'm not without a heart. I I'm not, that, that has nothing to do with, it has nothing to do with heart. It has nothing to do with, with, um, it has nothing to do with empathizing with other people. And not what and, I'm and talking about right now. Not what I'm talking about in this particular, you know, okay. sentence here. Okay. What I'm saying is, just consider the fact that maybe you don't see things the way that other people see things. That's and that's you know that's all I want to say about that. Oh, okay. Well, like I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I know that I don't have all the answers. I know that I, 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 I can't see the entire. You know, I, I can't get a survey of mm-hmm. of of everything, and that I'm in, and that I'm in a very small slice of the pie, so to speak. You know, I can only mm-hmm. see so much. I can only experience so much. And right. I'm not taking away from anybody. I don't want to take away from anybody. I, I just, I, I have, you know, I, I, I have sat as a white male, a Christian white male, and pretty soon, not yet, but pretty soon to be an old Christian white male. <laughs> and all I've gotten my whole life from the other side is just, Arrows, fiery arrows, because I'm a white male Christian, it's soon to be old person, old white Christian male, these uh-huh. fiery arrows. And I'm like, man, what have I ever done? We're trying to love people and be kind, talk to people of other, you know, um, the, uh, of, of, of other opinions. And, and, and like, it's just that. I, I guess if the pushback wasn't so hard, like, man, like I haven't, I, I haven't been, of course I've been personally accused of being a racist. Of course I have. Cause I've been online and I've been personally accused of being sexist and a homophobe and a bigot all because of the positions I hold. But it's just the pushback has been so hard. Um, and, but I know what I've experienced and my experience has been, 
man, I just want to love people. I want to show them Christ in my in in my behavior, in my attitude. I want to work really hard, and I want the same for others. Mm-hmm. But I feel that okay. sometimes it's 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 reversed. That somehow I'm the evil white male, and somehow just because of the color of my skin or my sex, um, that that I'm bad. I think a lot of people have labeled us as just somehow being evil or bad inherently and Inher- just bad because of that I'm white and then I'm a male, but I digress. You want to also talk about immigrants in cages. I have no idea what that's about. Well, it's just, uh, you know, we just, we, we've, we talked about, you know, America's racist past and, and, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, we're seeing a resurgence of that nowadays, you know, that's kind of, kind of the latest thing you know, coming back and, 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 uh, you know, treating immigrants as animals, separating children from their families. I mean, we can't really, we can't really leave this conversation without even, without bringing that kind of thing up. Help me, Scott. Really? You're okay with that? Really? Okay. So listen, well, hold hold on, hold on. Right, right, right. No. Are you okay with that? I'm okay. If somebody comes into the country illegally, I'm Uh okay with them okay, being that's not what I'm dict- talking about. I'm, listen, I'm not listen. talking about illegal. Okay, so well, hold on a second. So you're not talking about illegal right. people coming into the. We're okay, so what are we talking about? Legally, legally seeking asylum. Okay, hold on being, a second. Then, no, no, no. What do you mean illegally seeking separated. asylum? What do you mean by that? What does that mean I, to you? That just those words. What okay. What do you mean? Uh, isn't that well, Isn't that well, descriptive is there, enough? Is there a process? Are we, are we talking about a process that we have here yeah. in this country for people coming in seeking asylum? Right? There's there's right. a process, right? What, so what what do you think is happening? What do you think is happening here? Well, people seek asylum for all kinds of reasons, right? Right. And so it 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 it, it the uh, our immigration. Um, so let's say so let's say we do have people coming across the border illegally, mm-hmm. right? So so yep. you think that's okay to take their children? I think that if you break the law of a country, so yes. Well, what are we? What are what are we to do? If you're going to say yes, say yes. Yeah, I think they should go to whatever the consequences okay. are for breaking the law. Yes. Okay. Now listen. If 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 I could if I could make the rules, if you're asking me if I could enforce the rules or make the rules. I would do the, my very best to try to keep families together. But we separate families all the time in this country. People break the law. They go to jail. Uh-huh. Now, I don't think that the people should go to jail just for trying to enter our country. Obviously, if they're seeking asylum because they're being persecuted or something of that nature, then yes, that, that's why we have a process for these kind of things. But if you're just sneaking into our country because you want to be in our country and you're circumventing the entire system, and you're going in front of people that have legally. Listen, I have two. Well, I have a brother-in-law and a close friend of the family that have both worked very hard to become American citizens. And they've had to go through a process. And I don't think that people should just be allowed to walk into our country and circumvent that process. That's all I'm saying. I think there should be a process for people to enter the country and there is. And if you break that, uh, you're temporarily probably going to go to jail until you're deported to go back to your country. 
Okay. I think you've said enough then. Okay. How about uh, sexism? So what's next? Talking about sexism? Sure. Bring it. All right. So uh, uh, sexism is just prejudice or stereotyping, uh, typically against women on the basis of sex. So, of course, we um, most of the time when we think of sexism, we think of um, men, um, you know, um, um, being prejudiced or stereotyping um, women. So um, what are your thoughts on that? I'm against it. Um, um, you know, I would definitely say I'm a feminist. I'm in favor of equal, you know, you know, people being, people of all genders being treated the same and, and not, and not have differences based on their gender. Me too. Okay. Perfect. You want (laughs) to, you want to move on? (laughs) Well, I mean, I, I think we want to, I think uh, obviously we need to address the, you know, the elephant in the room here. The, uh, you know, your, your big book of course is, is extremely sexist and and very much plays up on here. Here's what very much plays up on, on, on the idea that women are not worth as much as men. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's a message that, that happens throughout the book. You're you're throughout the book. Okay. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to stop right now. And and we'll we'll do a whole show on this if you want. If you want to do, I'm gonna, we'll do a whole show on biblical sexism if you want. But part of the problem is this: you automatically assume that the Bible is sexist. So no matter what I say, it's going to look like me trying to trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Okay. So so why why do you think that I'm automatically assuming that? Well, so justify because, justify because that accusation. You just told me. You just told me that the whole book. Is mm-hmm. is is the giant, uh, sexist, w- women hating literature at its best? I, I didn't use any of those words. Uh, yeah, right. But that's what you were thinking, right? No. Okay. So basically, you think that the Bible mm-hmm. is full of sexism. I said. I said the whole book, all the way through, has sexist messages in it. Okay. I'll ask you this: in the culture. Was everyone sexist? In, in what in the, culture? In those cultures back then. I'm talking first century and before. I I have no idea. I would assume probably not. No, I'm talking about like all people groups. You know, like were the Greeks? Were they probably sexist? Were the Romans oh, sexist? You mean is there sexism in right. throughout all? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd say that you know that's a pretty okay. common part of the right. human uh, you know the human experience. Right. So along with other forms of prejudice. So 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 I'm I'm assuming you'd hold their feet to the fire as well. Right? Uh, sure, yeah. Okay, great. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a whole episode and talk about biblical sexism. I can't even get into it now. How about classism? Classism is a type of prejudice. Okay. I'm talking obviously primarily rich versus poor. Mhm. So what's your uh, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, well, again, I mean, I I I, see, I think you know we're seeing we're seeing the face of our country change, and we're, we're seeing, um, you know, we're seeing rich people taking the reins, and, and uh, it it's it's really fairly uh, depressing. It's to be honest, it's really depressing, and um, you know, and and it it's not surprising at all. I mean, it, it's happened in history in the past. You know, people who are rich 
can afford to, you know, they have power. They can afford to mm-hmm. pay people to do things and they can afford to pay the people who are running things or to be the people who are running things. And so, um, you know, classism is nothing new. Um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that we have difficulty learning from history, but of course that's nothing new either. Um, you know, we've, we've seen, uh, revolutions and beheadings and all kinds of things in the past when, when, when this kind of thing has happened, when, when, uh, you know, the, the nobility or the upper, upper class take command and, and then the lower class rise up and then, you know, there's chaos and, and the dark ages and all kinds of stuff going on. And, you know, I, I just hope that's, I, I hope that's not happening now, but, but, you know, we do see echoes of that, of that happening. now we see, um, you know, the, you know, the rich taking the reins and it's, uh, it's frustrating. Is there, um, what would you suggest be done about that? Well, we need for, well, for me personally, you know, in the United States, we need to get money out of politics for one thing. Money has no business in politics. And so, okay. you know, to me, if, if that could, you know, that would t- go a long way in leveling the playing field. If we want to talk our opportunities here, we need to give opportunities for people who can't afford to buy their opportunities. You know, and, so and we, when we, we talk about have, um, when we talk about um, money in politics, does that include union money? What union money? Like um, money that goes from the unions to support political candidates. Uh, yes. Okay. I would, perfect. I would. I would. I would, I would say that as well. That's fair. Um, um, okay. So you're talking about um, people. To give people opportunities who couldn't normally afford it. Right. And like, so what were we talking about? Like we're talking about college assistance. Well, no, no, I'm, or, I'm talking, you know, if we're, if we're talking about money and politics, we're talking about lobbying, right? No, I, no, I, I, mean, I was moving on. About. No, I moved on from um, that oh. to your, you were talked like just before I, I guess interrupted you, you mentioned about, um, uh, wanting to have people be able to um, um, have the op- uh, same opportunities, and right? They, they should have. You, you know, we should have. We should have. You know, everybody should have a chance to voice their opinion in in politics in our government. You know, it, it, this is supposed to be a government of the people, for the people, by the people. And so we want to have the people represented. We don't want to have the people shut out. We want we want to make sure that people have an opportunity to vote. We want to make sure that people, we, we want to make sure that the ears of the of our leaders are not pulled uh, towards the direction of the fattest wallets. So would you who, agree with that? Yeah, I would definitely agree oh. with that. Okay. Would you, um, but I do want to flush a bit of that out. You mentioned people not having a chance to vote. Mm-hmm. Are there people who who aren't allowed or who, or who are not given the chance to vote? Definitely. Who who would that be? Oh, there there's huge swaths of people. I mean, there there's there's uh, unconstitutional voter purges going on going on around the country. There are um, you know voter ID laws that are. Uh, uh, oppressive voter ID laws. I mean, for, I'm I'm in favor of voter ID laws, by the way, but okay. voter ID laws only after uh, legitimate IDs and and that kind of thing are made available and convenient for everybody. Which they're so. How would you not. do that? How would you How would you make them 
um, because I know in 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 the city I used to live in that mm-hmm. if you went to the BMV and you couldn't afford it, they would uh, they would they would um, um, make for you uh, an ID mm-hmm. uh, for free. Right. And, and, yeah. Yeah, and, so, and that's and that's not available throughout the country, and so we need okay, to have. Okay, so if everybody um, had a, a chance to, to so you're you're not opposed to only allowing people who are citizens of this country to vote. You just well, that's think already that, the case, right? Um, but we're but we I think part of the reason why there's the voter ID obviously is to help protect from. People not in this country voting, but also from people who shouldn't be voting in certain precincts from voting in those precincts and and other types of voter fraud. So I would agree with right. you. That, well, that, that's what's that's what's said is is the goal. Yes. So what do you think is real? I mean, do you really think I mean, like, listen, do you really like someone like me? I think there should be voter ID laws because I think, and I think everybody should have the opportunity to vote. I think we should make it as available as possible, as available mm-hmm. as humanly possible for right. every person to vote in their precinct. And I think, I think I would that, agree. Right. But um, I get thrown in and lumped in with some kind of nefarious, not, not necessarily by you, but by mm-hmm. the other side, a lot of times I get thrown in as some kind of person who just hates people of a certain color or a certain um, class or whatever. And we, we want to hold them down and we want to keep them from voting. Um, but that's just not the case. That's not the case with anybody that I know of that is for the voter ID laws. They just don't want people to vote that shouldn't be allowed to vote to begin with. Right. And then and that problem is so minuscule is it's I mean, it's laughable to even consider that, you know, that that's the real motivation behind those laws. So so what should we do? Like, I guess my question to you is we need to remove both in agreement. If we're both in agreement that only Mm -hmm. people who are in this country should be allowed to vote and only people should in the certain precinct that they're voting in should be obviously allowed to vote. Um if we're both in agreement in that, and we're also both in agreement that we we should make it as easy as or not as easy, but as available as humanly possible for everyone to have that opportunity to vote, then yeah. then how would we do this? What would steps would we take that we're not already taking? Well, we need to remove obstacles. We need to remove barriers from people from doing that. If you wanna, if you wanna tell somebody that, you know, they have to have a driver's license, but they can't use their, you know, they can't use their uh, housing subsidy identification or something like that. I mean, they're the people, people who are uh, underprivileged, uh, very often they have difficulty maintaining records. Maybe they've, uh, you know, maybe they've had uh, tragedies in their lives, or maybe they've had emergencies, or, you know, they, they go through things that, that, uh, you know, middle class white people don't have to worry about. Uh, I don't and have to worry about are. losing. Like, like, what do you mean we don't have to worry about this stuff? I don't have to worry about having a fire in my home. I, I don't have to worry about getting carjacked like anybody else. Like, I lived in one of the most dangerous cities on the planet. Maybe not on the planet. In the U.S. anyhow. Um, 
like, see, I, I, I feel like, again, we're sl- slipping back into the, um, we're somehow the bad people. Like I'm, I'm somehow, I don't know. This to me is, is just seems opposite of, of, I, I feel like I'm almost being, you know, like, like, why are we even bringing that up? If there's the opportunity there for them to get that, then they should be able to get that. Right. So like if a BMV is, is allowing people to come in and get an identification for free that they could use for voting. Right. I think that that would be fair. Would you agree? So uh, people in middle-class white America don't have to worry about losing their social security card or losing their family records and that kind of thing. Many people have to deal with that. They don't, they, they don't have those kind of records with them because it's difficult for them to, to deal with the day-to-day, you know, trials of, of, of survival, much less maintaining all of their records. And so that's just one barrier. That's just one thing that gets in the way. And then we add another thing. Um, you know, there, there are some districts where they're shutting down DMV outlets. And, and so maybe they have to travel, you know, 30 miles to, to, to get that ID. But if they can't drive or if they can't afford a car or they can't afford to take a day off to go do that kind of thing, because it's not going to be open on the weekend or it's not going to be open on the evenings, then they can't do that. That's just a barrier between them you know, getting the things that they need to do. It's not that they don't want to try. It's just that they can't afford to do it. They can't worry about that kind of thing. They're worried about get paying their electric bill. They're worried about, you know, not going bankrupt because their child is sick. You know, they're worried about all these other things. And so, and, and, you know, every little barrier whittles away at their ability to participate in this process. And so um, if we, if we want to have, things like voter ID laws, there's nothing wrong with the voter ID law. That's fine. What, what the problem is, is in the implementation. If you, if you, if you encourage those laws or if you, if you have those laws before you make, you make it so that um, it's easy for people to who people who should have the IDs to get the IDs or, or however you want to do it. You know, we want to make sure that the, um, and, and, you know, I think, we can't pretend that that's the problem, right? We can't pretend that that's the problem. We, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what else to say. Okay. You sound super discouraged. I'll have you know, I have lost my social security card twice. So, right. And, and well, that means, so obviously you were able to get another one mm-hmm. if you've yeah. lost it twice. Right. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> Okay, let's move on. This to isn't homophobia. about you. This isn't about you, mm-hmm. by the way. Right, it's not I'm, about you. Yeah, I'm not saying it is. Well, you seem kind of defensive. I, I am slightly defensive because I'm okay. the bad well, guy. Well, you shouldn't every be. One of these. You shouldn't I'm the be bad because guy. it's not about you. Yeah, I. But it, it is. I'm the white. But I'm a middle male, white class Christian. guy. I'm a middle class white guy uh, too. Yeah, but I'm the one who's always being called the. Next, we're coming up here, homophobe. Why don't we talk about that? Because I'm, I'm you're the one, one who said that. You uh, are the only one right. saying that about you. By the well, way, well, that's not well, that's not true. Because just go look on my wall. Uh, the two of us of my- on this conversation, the two of us in this conversation, neither. Uh, well, I'm not accusing you of anything. I, uh, you're right. I think you're, a, I think you're a great guy, to be honest. Well, I and appreciate so, that, Scott. And so I'm not. You know, I don't think that you, um 
I don't think that you're a racist. I don't think that you're, I don't think that you're a homophobe. I don't think, I, I think that you're misguided on many things, but I don't think that you have a bad heart. If that were the case, then I wouldn't be having this conversation with you. No. And I appreciate that. I think, and I, I don't mean to come across defensive, but it's just like, you know, every time I turn around, I'm the one doing something wrong and I'm not doing anything wrong just by being white male Christian. I'm automatically lumped into these categories and I get, I take a beating. So half, half of my defensiveness isn't, isn't, isn't like towards you. It's just towards this idea. Like we're going to talk about homophobia here. I've been accused mm-hmm. of that so many times. I, I, I mm-hmm. can't count. Uh, how many times? Obviously, not by you. Just in my experience, in my day to day, in my communications with other people. No matter how I try to explain my view, or no matter how I try to, uh, no matter how kind I am in explaining things, or uh, I'm just because I don't agree with their particular policy or their particular um, law or their particular thing. I'm. I'm. It's just if you don't agree with me, then you are this. And I'm, I'm well, let's do it. Okay, so, so let's move on. Let's let's talk about. <laughs> Join us on the next episode of the God or Not podcast for part two of this discussion. All right, that was brutal. <laughs> that was prejudice, and, and that was prejudice. That's right. Yeah, and uh, so good conversation, good times. And moving on, <laughs> moving on to our next little bit here is our first installment of the God or Not Book Club. And uh, we are reading, Scott and I, and, and hopefully at least a few of our listeners are reading the book, Sense in Goodness Without God by Richard Carrier. And, and you um, know what? It's okay if nobody else is reading it. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, we're going to read it. Forget you We're just people. doing this for ourselves anyway. We're just letting <laughs> everybody listen in on our talks. That's right. So <laughs> we're going to do a little bit here. This is our um, God or Not book club. Let's go. This is the God or Not biggest book club meeting in the world. Okay, so this is our first installment of our what we're, I guess what we're calling is the God or Not Book Club. Mm-hmm. And basically what we're doing is Jamie and I are reading the same book and we're kind of going through it and then we're going to, every once in a while, we're going to have a little discussion about it. We're not going to blaze through the book too quickly because um, we want to we spend a little bit of a time, but we don't want to have like a huge discussion on it. We, just, we still want it to be like a little side bit here. And so for our first installment here, we're reading... Uh, the first two sections of the book, the first section, of course, being the introduction. So that was a very short one. So basically just uh, section two. And um, so it's like 60 pages or so. And I, and I think that, you know, it was I think it was a good amount uh, to yeah. begin with. Yeah, it wasn't too, um, wasn't too bad. Yeah. And so um, I think the way we're going to structure this is rather than giving, giving, you know, giving a complete blow by blow on how the book went, we'll kind of give a rough outline of, of the sections that we covered. And then maybe Jamie and I can each pick out some of our, our favorite parts and then we can, we can talk about them. And so uh, the first thing that struck me from this book, and this is something that uh, the author addresses fairly early on, and this is a, a bad, bad thing in my view, in that he had no footnotes and no endnotes. And that really <laughs> frustrated me. I, yeah. I, uh, 
I really would have liked it if he had had footnotes and endnotes because I want to. I like to. I'm a math teacher. I want to check his work, right? I want right. <laughs> I want right. to check his work. And so I would have appreciated if there was uh, footnotes or endnotes. Uh, but he did include uh, bibliography at the end of each chapter, and but uh, apparently that was only in the print edition. So, um, so you know. He kind of gave that to you for, you know, kind of a further reading kind of thing. But, uh, uh, you know, starting off on the wrong foot here. Uh, <laughs> but once I got over that, once I got past that, I did find in general, I thought the, it, was a, it was a fairly interesting read. Um, in fact, um, uh, one, there was one quote that I wanted to throw out. And this was, you know, within the first couple of pages. And uh, so this is something he said early on. He said, though I'm an atheist in the basic sense that I do not believe that there are any gods, you will find after reading this book that whether a God exists or not really doesn't matter all that much. Every component of my philosophy can be arrived at independently and stands on evidence and reasoning that would not change tomorrow. If a God announced himself to the world today, rather than being a starting assumption, my atheism is but an incidental conclusion from applying my worldview to the current state of evidence. And I don't know, for some reason that that really struck me. And, and I thought that was a really uh, a cool thing to say. So what he's saying is that he's not going into the, he didn't go into his process here, uh, you know, with his atheism, atheism as kind of like a starting point. It, it was mm-hmm. kind of like a, it was like a byproduct, you know, that was just a result of, yeah, as a matter of, of fact, of, you know, like uh, rational thinking and stuff. Yeah. As a what matter of fact, as a matter of fact, he talks about how um, early on, um, he, you know, he, he searched, he, he was on a, a, a search, yeah. um, yep. that, that dabbled in, in some of, uh, some religious, uh, components. So yeah, uh, he, he definitely didn't rule it out, uh, to begin with. That's for sure. Right. Right. I mean, he's definitely a, a bookworm and, and he's very much, uh, interested and, you know, has a love of learning and, and, and some of that he just says outright, but some of it I think is, uh, apparent in his writing. And that can be, and, you know, that's generally a good thing. Um, yeah, you talked about how he dabbled in, or he started out, his family was Christian, although not all that, um, you know, strict. And he kind of dabbled in Taoism a little bit, and then eventually kind of incorporated all of his, he picked up the best of the little pieces along the way and kind of pieced them together into his philosophy now. Um, he talks a little bit about philosophy, why it's important Um you know, about knowledge being a tool for navigating the world and how philosophy is a tool for navigating information or knowledge. And so um, uh, I like that. That was his foundation. In fact, he did say specifically that my religion is philosophy. And so so he's interested in uh, learning and knowledge. At least he says so. At least that's what he's saying. Um, so that was much of the uh, much of that. uh that second section was him kind of talking about his personal history. I didn't think there would be all that much for us to, to discuss about that because he doesn't really get into the meat, but um, I don't know. What was your, what was your take on his, on his journey? Yeah. I, so I have um, um, a couple of good things to point out. First, I love the fact that um, he speaks highly of philosophy and mm-hmm. the importance of a good philosophical foundation. There are so many people, um, like within my camp, within Christendom, um, who thinks that like philosophy is somehow um, um, in, in religion or somehow in opposition. Like like you you can't have both. It, it just it mm-hmm. seems totally ridiculous to me. And then there's other people too in in 
a more scientism kind of camp that uh, completely underplay the role of philosophy. And it's all about the beaker. It's all about science. And, and, and so they, they may be great, a great biologist or, or a great cosmologist, but they're a horrible philosopher. And you need philosophy as as that foundation uh, in order to, you know, I really think um, get anywhere it, it, w- mm-hmm. when you're dealing with anything with the mind. Um, mm-hmm. And so I thought, I love that, that he, he stressed the importance of philosophy. I, I right. did also think that his, um, um, you know, him talking about epistemology, which is like how we know certain things to be true. Um, right, I thought right. all that was very practical and very good. Uh, yeah. So those are a couple of the good, the good, my good takeaways. Um, a couple of the things that I, I, I found interesting um, or some of my critique. Um, <laughs> you found them interesting in an incredibly annoying stone in right. your shoe kind of way. <laughs> that's okay. right. At one point he talked about um, that, if anything in his book is factually false, like mm-hmm. something, um, something with, uh, if there was something with enough evidence to support, to persuade the vast majority of experts in the field, he liked to be notified so he could change his position. Mm-hmm. I find that ironic because the, the vast, vast majority of experts in his field, which is New Testament and history, believe that Jesus was a real historical figure, <laughs> yet he doesn't. So I, I found that to be, uh, you know, frustrating. And the, mm-hmm. uh, the other thing that I found to be frustrating is he talked a lot about um, kind of the role that early Christianity played in his journey, you know, seeking mm-hmm. after truth and, and about how, the, how he found the, the Bible to be convoluted. And, and he, he said um, that, um, that the New Testament hadn't, hadn't given him anything, like no useful information on the meaning of life or the nature of the universe. Uh-huh. Um, and that people who, who had gotten that out of the Bible must have imported that into the Bible. Uh-huh. He said he found the Bible shallow and unsatisfying. I, I, right. I just found that amazing because that's all Jesus talked about was meaning the meaning of life how we should live purpose and 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 not to mention like the religious component of it the bible is considered to be one of the greatest books of literature of all time i mean just take completely all the religion out of it no i'm serious like well come t- t- on t- now come on listen, i think you're being uh... <laughs> it is it is it is the 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 most you've read the bible right it's the most purchased book Ever, and it is considered by people in literature to be one of the greatest works of literature of all yeah, time. Yeah, and The Bachelor is one of the most popular TV shows oh, ever. Okay, come. so that's not. Oh, so we're not talking like, about cinematic uh, no, genius here. No, I'm not. I'm not talking. <laughs> I'm not talking about the truthfulness of the Bible. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm right. just talking about mere yeah, literature you said as as literature. Right. Yeah. If really. You look. Yes. Is that what if that? you. That this might be oh. another instant replay. If you go and you and you, and you look at um, uh, people within that sphere, they consider the Bible to be one of the hmm. greatest pieces of or okay. conglomerates of literature ever. You don't sound convinced. I definitely am so, not. <laughs> I just found it frustrating that that yep. he found it so y- y- useless. 
You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, this is this was and so many millions okay. and millions of people find it so fruitful and mm-hmm. rich and with depth. And I, I don't know. I just I just found that confusing. OK, but uh, other than that, like I said, I do want to make sure that I harp on not just the bad, but <laughs> but the good. And, and you want to harp love, on the good, too? <laughs> well, I, if you want to call it harp. Yes, I will. harp. My okay. wife says I'm good at harping. So uh, uh, the the philosophy, his stress on philosophy. And mm-hmm. and I got um, some good takeaways from um, okay. him talking about, you know, getting t- to truth and how we get to that. So I, I did enjoy those. Right. Parts. Yeah. Yeah. The last the last basically the last third or one half of, of the portion that we read, he was really kind of, you mentioned laying a foundation and that, and that's really what he was doing. He talked about different types of statements and how, you know, the truth of something and, and how, you know, things uh, we, we value statements based on uh, whether or not they can make predictions, which I assume that he meant kind of like how it aligns with reality and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. There was a, a one little bit in there that, uh, you know, I, I already mentioned that it was frustrating with the lack of footnotes. There was another frustration that I had and that he talked about uh, Alvin planting him for a little bit. And mm. he, he mentioned uh, planting as reformed epistemology, which I have to admit, I was not really all that familiar with. Mm-hmm. And to be frank, I'm still not all that familiar with it. I thought he mentioned it and it was just a few pages long. <laughs> and uh, I really think that the he, he, he presented it as as, you know, uh, an approach to epistemology that he disagreed with, but I, mm-hmm. I felt that his presentation of planting his side was um, was a little brief, and yeah. and uh, I would have liked because I, I didn't come away feeling I really understood what it was. Right, and I, I also thought that his his refutations were also kind of thin. Now that's not to say that maybe he's written at at greater length elsewhere. Right, but you know it seemed to me like he could have just left that part out. Um, and, and, and that, and the fact that there were no footnotes that I could use to like, look up extra information, uh, about this, but I will have to admit that he did pique my interest. And so now, you know, that might be something that yeah, I want to look would, into. I think that you would be interested in that. It's, it's mm-hmm. one of the main components of Plantinga's, um, reformed epistemology is the idea that the belief in God is a properly basic belief. Right. Um, that's the the primary. That's like the the that you can you can um, uh, hold your head up. Basically, you can hold your head up um, and 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 not feel like you have to evidentially support um, uh, that idea, right. and that people can walk away and and have that innate sense of of there being some uh, the divine so to speak that's and so yeah so that's just so that's why it piqued my curiosity because to me that sounds just like the biggest cop-out ever and and so i so i at least want to give planting a a chance to make his oh yeah i think that i think that you'll enjoy um it because it isn't it isn't just like, well, I feel it, therefore it is. It's not right. like this experiential. There is a lot to it. Um, I've read uh, some of Plantinga's work, um, mm-hmm. and um, and he is he's t- top rate. Um, he's not a slouch. Nah. Nah. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, <laughs> okay. Right, listen, <laughs> let me ask you a question, a serious question. Is there okay. anybody, is there anybody on in our camp that you go, yeah, he's pretty good at what he does. 
Oh, I think they're good at what they do. I don't I don't think their their arguments are all that convincing. Otherwise, I'd be a Christian. Well, but that's that's what I'm referring to when I say he's not a slouch. I mean that I mean, you know, he he was, you know, chair in in, in Notre Dame. I mean, it's it's not uh-huh. like he's a, some fly by night um somewhere that he that, that that he's got some chops that 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 right. he's put some time in and he and he has um um you know he's got some meat to uh-huh. his arguments whether you agree or disagree with him it right. it's still what i'm saying is is that he has to be taken seriously and that's what i you know i think there's a lot of people uh in in the um on the in the atheist camp or the the naturalist community that I take very seriously because their arguments warrant that. Uh huh. So well, hey, you know what? Now that you bring it up, now that you mention it, um, you know, just this has just happened in just the last few days on online. Uh, I was having a discussion, still am actually. I, I haven't gotten back to him today with Josh Rasmussen. Yes. Okay. So, so you told me watch out because he's no slouch, and I right. thought that was a weird yeah. thing to say. I thought, oh, that's awesome that he's not a slouch. Um, right. And and from from my 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 limited interaction with him so far, he seems to at least is. So I want to know basically if I'm interacting with somebody who's arguing with me, I want two things out of you. One, I want you to listen to what I say, and I want you to, and and I want you to consider what I say. I'm not interested in, in talking to somebody who, um, you know, who's just reading off a script Two, I want you to be able to back up what you say. I want you to answer my questions. And so, and so far my experience with Josh has been, uh, positive in those directions. I don't, uh, you know, it's still, we're, we're still in the middle of a discussion here. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I, uh, you know, he's, he's given me, um, what we're getting off track here. We're getting off track. Anyway, I thought I just wanted to say that I yeah. thought I I agreed with you that I didn't think he was a slouch. So yeah, no, I don't want to come off as saying you know I'm just a poo pooing everybody. Right, right. <laughs> no, no, I did, I did, I did see that. I did see your conversations, and I will have mm-hmm. you know that I followed almost none of it. That that, that stuff, that the <laughs> okay. philosophy of the mind, that kind of thing, uh-huh. that is out right. of my right. wheelhouse, buddy. Okay, so, all right. I tried. Well, there, there. There was to bring it back around to the book club here. <laughs> there was there was one there was one. Some of this might hit the cutting room floor. I'm guessing, right. sorry, but sorry. Uh, there there was one last little bit, and it was the last little piece from that uh, from the section that we were reading, and it was on method. and And I I think that you had said that you you liked this part too. And basically, he said he had this hierarchy of of methods, and and just. To, he goes into a lot more detail, but basically he's saying like reason that's going to be the top level uh, as far as uh, method for for uh, justifying belief. Right. If, if yes. you can make a strong, reasonable argument, then that's going to be that's like the pinnacle of of this hierarchy of method. Then, then mm-hmm. below that, which is actually a subset of reason, then would be. Uh, science, you know, if you you can perform a scientific experiment, or or you know, a group of scientists can can uh, um, gather evidence and come to conclusions and that kind of thing. So science then would be the next level, the next level down, and then below that is going to be just uh, individual experience. What have you you know What have you seen in your life? What have you done in your right. life? That kind of thing. That's going to be something that motivates your beliefs as well. Right. Uh, then the next level below that was history. Was history. So we can use history uh, as a foundation for belief. You know, but but you know, it's definitely has a place in the hierarchy there. 
the next uh, the next one, which was below history, which at first I thought seemed out of place um, because he said expert testimony, expert testimony. And at first I thought that that was odd. That seemed out of place. That should be kind of up in the science area, I thought. But then I realized what he meant by that was that um, just taking an expert's word on it. Right. Okay. Yeah, appeal so to you, authority. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So if you have no reasoning behind your belief, no science, no experience, nothing in history, then, um, you know, he, so now we're getting down into the areas where it's kind of shaky, but kind of like, well, you got to base your belief on something. You, you know, you got to, right. you got to do something. You can't just stand there motionless. Right. Until I can't you find do all the experiments myself. I can't exactly, do, right, you know, I right. can't do all some of these. So, so a lot of this stuff, I'm, I'm either going to get through uh, reasoning it out or, right, or, right. or reading it you so, know, or learning so, yeah, it from so. someone else. Yeah. So expert testimony without the because usually when an expert says something, they'll say, here's what I think. And here's the mountain of evidence to support it. And so so if that's the case, then we're not talking about expert testimony. We're talking about, you know, one of these higher levels, science right. and so forth. Um, so then below expert testimony was plausible inference. You know, what seems like it works? And, you know, of course, we know that that our human brains kind of go all over the place and are, are full of biases and so forth. So plausible inference is barely below the bottom one. And I know you have a, I know this is a, a, a pet peeve of yours, but the last <laughs> one he said was pure faith. And, and of course what he meant there was not the kind of faith that you talk about when you right. use the word faith, but what he meant right. was just basically just, well, I'd just make a guess at it. Right. right. And so that was that's like how, the that's worst how I took possible. that as well. Yeah, that's how okay, I took good. that as well. Yeah. So yeah. I so I thought that was an excellent way to uh uh to finish off that that opening section. I think it I'm I'm looking forward to uh to the next few sections. I, I find his writing style to be very easy to follow along, to be very yeah, easy and to, I am to doing listen to. The, uh, for our for our listeners, you know, but for our listeners, I'm doing the audible book because I do a lot of driving commuting and so it works out best that way and he actually narrates his own book and mm -hmm. dare i say that his uh he's easy to listen to so oh, okay. not only is his writing style um just kind of uh i don't want to say chummy but right. easy to, to listen to i mean you know it's right, easy right. to to read through or to listen to his stuff and so um he um, does bring up he does bring up like technical terms, but doesn't overwhelm you with jargon right, kind of right. thing, yep. which is very easy to do in some of these some of these types yes. of books. Yep. So, uh, any any last words on that first uh, read? Then no, uh, no. I I hope that the rest of okay. the book is is about as is as good as this because um, All I right, enjoyed it. Now I we're, had some, we're getting into the meat now. Yeah, we're getting had, into the I had meat some and things potatoes. I liked about it and some things I didn't like about it, and I hope that it continues uh, okay. you know, that way. So yeah. It was good. Well, so for our next uh, assignment here is going, we're going to cover now section three. That's the next section. And that's a, it's a long one. And so we're going to cut that in half. So we're going to read through section three parts one through five. And so for those of you with the print version of the book, that's going to be pages 63 to 134. So uh, a little bit longer than the first uh, reading assignment, but um, you know, Hopefully it'll be stock full of uh, fun stuff that we can that we can chew on uh, next time. And that's it. I mean that 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 was our first installment of uh, the God or Not Book Club. 
And that about wraps it up for episode number 12. Please send us your ideas, questions, and comments to email at godornotpodcast.com. If you'd like to know more about the topics covered in this episode, Scott, what do you recommend? Scott recommends, well, it, it's, I think it would be more accurate to describe this as a tome rather than a, and, than a book. It's a, it's a very hefty 700 plus pages. Um, and so I haven't Jeez. read it cover to cover, but I've read <laughs> most of it, most of it. And, and the book is uh, The Better Angels of Our Nature, Why Violence Has Declined by Steven Pinker. You know, it was it was tough for me to find a book uh, that I've read related to prejudice. Um, mm-hmm. And so I thought I'd flip it the other way. And, and Steven Pinker talks about how uh, over the last, you know, uh, the, the last few centuries, actually violence and violent crime and things like that have actually been on the decline. And hmm. he talks about how uh, various movements have impacted the you know, the environment and, and the environment of uh, violence and interactions and social interactions and so forth. And, and uh, Steven Pinker, of course, is a psychologist. And so there's plenty of uh, psychoanalysis involved in, in the text, in the book, in the textbook. Right. Um, but there's just tons and tons of data in here. And it's just uh, it's really interesting. It is kind of, it is kind of hefty, but but it's also the kind of book where you can uh, read chunks of it here and there. So, right. Um, so I, I definitely recommend it. And it, uh, you know, it, um, you know, there's kind of a, kind of a, a positive type message to it. There's, and you know, it's not all, all roses and, and, uh, right. I was, I was going to say roses and cauliflower, but that's not, not a happy thing. It's not all <laughs> roses and chocolate, but, there uh, it is, right. um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, definitely it's, it's a book worth reading. It's called the better, better angels of our nature by Steven Pinker. Why violence has declined. So what do you got for us? Very good. I have the four loves by CS Lewis. And we were talking about prejudice. And so, um, both you and I, one of the things that we came to an agreement on in the, in our discussion is that, uh, we shouldn't be prejudiced towards anybody. Uh, that, that we should try our very best to treat people fairly and to love people. And so I thought the four loves by C.S. Lewis uh, was appropriate. And so that is what I recommend. Uh, Scott, and I want to thank you for joining us. And we hope you'll be back next time when Scott and I will be talking about prejudice. Round two. Until then, this is your dialectic duo reminding you to talk to each other. See ya. This has been the God or Not Podcast. Send your questions or comments to email at godornotpodcast.com. If you'd like to support the show or grab some God or Not gear, please visit the website at www.godornotpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.